Welcome to the Android Central Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, there is a new Android 12 beta, but it doesn't do much except fix bugs that just seem to keep popping up on Android 12. So I think more important than the beta fix itself, we'll talk about why the hell is Android 12 so damn buggy. We'll also go over a new Motorola Edge, the Galaxy Z Flip 3 review, the new OnePlus Buds Pro, and Fitbit just announced its brand new Charge 5. And if you recall, Fitbit is now owned by Google, so there may be some googly things thrown in there for good measure. And there's a whole bunch of other grab bag of news that we can get to as well. So joining me this week, Ara Wagner, how are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm just okay. You're going to keep your words to a minimum this week. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. My, my throat has not been happy with new most of the week, so I'm trying to refrain as much as I can. But you're a trooper who doesn't ever say no to a podcast appearance. So either either you really love it or you're just a masochist. Or I just think we need more girls up here and I'm willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Third choice. Jerry Hildenbrand, what's hey, going on? I'm fine. I also think we need more girls up in here. I, I do too, actually. So and not not in any kind of way that you're thinking, you dirty minded <laughs> people out there. I just think that you Jerry, know. nobody was thinking that until you said it. Well, I wanted to make sure women in tech is always a a good perspective to have. Yeah, Ara and I are meeting next week to build our next few months worth of podcast strategies. So maybe I'll throw it out to our listeners. If you have any women who uh, you like hearing on podcasts who have something to say that uh, we would benefit from, let us know. We'll we'll give them an invite. And finally, Nick Sutrick, how are you doing? Excellent. You're I'm doing okay. To, trying to bend all the phones in half to see if they fold like the flip. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that working out for you? <laughs> Terrible. I've broken you could 12. could open a YouTube no, channel. Yeah. I sh- you know, maybe I'll call it Jerry Rig Everything. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Rig Some Things. <laughs> That's right. Some Things. <laughs> Jerry rig the occasional thing. <laughs> yeah, that that's been that's been done. I think even even Zach has kind of gotten tired of that whole shtick. I think he does Good. more interesting things these days. Good, because it does get old. If you push yourself around in a wheelchair all day long, there is not a phone made that you can't bend and have. <laughs> Fair enough. Um so we'll start with this Android 12. 12.1 fix. Uh, it's very minor. Every single Android 12 beta has had a 0.1 release. So this is not significant. What's significant, Jerry, is that Android 12 is still a fucking mess. And that even as of beta 4, it was barely usable on my Pixel 5. I've heard the same from other people running this. We're getting <laughs> awfully close to the final version, to the release candidate. What is going on with this version of Android? Part of me wants to say that we worry too much about it and let's wait for the final release because Google tells you right up front, don't use this. If you need a phone, don't use this. But then the other part of me says, Google, what the F is you doing? You always screwing stuff up when you think that you have a good idea, you change something and it breaks everything else. So I really don't know why this one would be in terrible shape for longer than previous ones were. 
my best guess is there's a lot of stuff in the back end that changed. And the only way to find how it affects the front end is to get a million people to use it. So where we're at right now is Google is sort of identifying the remaining few, you know, nips and tucks that it needs to make to Android 12. But it does seem like, I mean, even the fixes that it announced for this one, you know, there's a boot loop um, that seems to be affecting a bunch of people. Some of the, you know, there was an issue with notifications or face unlock on Pixel 4s, VPN access would like kill an internet connection once it was disabled. I mean, these are pretty big deals, but they're very specific. And yet anecdotally, I'm still coming across like these massive app bugs where developers just have not updated their apps to work properly with Android 12. And I wonder if you had any insight into whether it's that app developers seem to be slower this time around to update their apps or if the changes they need to make to be compatible with Android 12 are just greater in terms of commitment, um, time, and cost, or if there may be something else going on. I'm going to go with they need to make more changes and then go back to where there's no incentive for them to do it because, you know, that incentive comes when Samsung announces they're going to release Android 12 for 80% of the Android phones in existence. That's when a developer needs to care. Right now, I mean, it's as horrible as it sounds, a developer doesn't have to care that his app isn't going to run great on a Pixel 5a or a Pixel 6 when it comes out because nobody's buying those. Well, I mean, nobody's buying the Pixel 6 yet. Well, yeah, but the, the, the market share of those devices, of any Pixel or any phone that's going to have Android 12, I'll even be optimistic and say, we'll see it soon somewhere else. We won't, but I'll be optimistic anyway. The market share is so low that that's not going to be on a developer's, you know, to-do list right away. It's going to be way low on that list. Right. So you, you combine that with the fact that Google's made changes that break apps, and that's the situation you have. Uh, those we should expect. We 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 don't like them, but we should expect every time Android gets updated, I expect every app not to work, and I'm pleasantly surprised when most of them do. Uh, that means you know Google's trying hard to make backwards compatibility a thing. Uh, apparently in Android 12, it's not as well done as it was in the past. I also wonder if. So we're hearing anecdotally that companies that were in the Android 12 beta program, you know, Xiaomi, OnePlus, uh, Oppo, they're not iterating on their internal builds because they're waiting for Android 12 to become more stable. And while this year had a lot of commitment from those companies, it doesn't seem like it actually worked out very well. They All of them initially released a beta and then and it's they were all been bad radio silence since then. Although OnePlus never did because it, it just, it I, I don't think everything. it ever got stable yeah. enough to leave closed beta. That's Google's fault. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in our editorial meeting and I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking hard how I can write more about it. 
Google does betas very differently than most other companies do. And, you know, what you would expect from a an internal alpha release on something like Windows or, you know, Mac OS, Google just throws that out there for the public to have their way with. And that causes these kind of problems. Uh, the, the, the most important part, yes, is, is that it works when it comes out. It's just very makes you apprehensive to go through this process. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess that will inevitably delay the final versions of Android 12 for a number you know, of hopefully companies. Um, and we don't hear anything about Samsung. I mean, we're going to talk a bit later about how we got, we're seeing the first Geekbench results for the S21 Ultra running Android 12. So obviously there have been some yeah. internal betas or internal releases within Samsung I would guess Samsung is probably further along than many of its competitors just because of its scale. But we don't hear anything about new Samsung versions until they're kind of ready to package it all together as a one UI beta. Right. The absolute diametric opposite of what Google does. <laughs> yeah. Samsung waits until it works to release it. Uh, Google doesn't care if it breaks in-house, it seems. There's yes. no way they could know that it the the face unlock on the pixel four was broken. They, they, they had to have known that when they shipped that beta out, it just seems like something they didn't care about because it was easy to fix and it'll come in the next build. Right. And another thing that I thought was interesting, isn't this the third time we've seen them quote unquote, fix the boot loop issue. Cause I'm pretty sure I've seen this in yeah. prior. Are betas. we sure that we've seen them try to fix it three times or are we, have you seen three different things that have caused it to boot loop? And are we going to see more? It could have been the same thing all three times. I mean, either way we have three instances of yeah. phones boot looping, which <laughs> well, to me is not great. <laughs> that, that doesn't bother me so much because that's something that Google can't test in house because the software laid out on their phone is very different than any software that they would release for public testing. Right. And it probably worked on all of their phones. They they should have grabbed a couple consumer devices and tried it on those before they shipped it out and had to hear, you know, 500 nerds scream in pain. I just wish they do what OnePlus and the other companies would do and have closed betas before they open it up to the public. Cause uh, yeah, but then the outrage, that's not fair. You know, that's <laughs> right. why I bought a Pixel so I could have early access. But you, you're you know, still going to get early access through the beta. Just have two different tracks of it. If you want to be on the one that will break everything, you try and get into the alpha. And if you want to just try the new features as they come, you get the beta and that gets a little bit right. more stable. Like, it's easy to do that, and they don't. <laughs> a better idea might be to have all of Google, including PR and marketing and everybody that uses an iPhone. No, you have to use a Pixel phone, at least for this time of the year, and test it on their phones. Hey, maybe then we'll actually get Google app updates on Android first. Maybe. Hey. <laughs> but you have what to remember, Google does release three developer previews before its first beta. Right, this process starts earlier and earlier every year. But correct me if I'm wrong. Nothing really changed that much in beta one from Android 10 or Android 11. So we didn't really even start getting the big changes until beta two or beta three. Whereas we should have gotten those changes during the developer preview, and then the rest of us could have been bug fixing. 
But without seeing the code, we don't know how much changed era. It could have been a ton. Just what we could see seemed the same. I mean, Windows, Microsoft does this with the Windows Insider program, right? Yes, I was going to get there. You can can sign up for crappy software from Microsoft. I'm I'm actually on the most obnoxious Insider track for (laughs) Windows 11, just because for a while, that was the only way to easily get it on a computer, just for an upgrade. And recently, in the last couple of weeks, they've launched it on, I guess, further out beta tracks, you know, the, the ones that maybe aren't so broken. But honestly, I mean, with Windows 11, I haven't had any real issues. You know, the saddest part is is Google does something similar with Chrome. Right. With they have Canary. Canary Dev and Beta. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes through Canary and Dev to make it work before it goes into the beta track. Yep. And it doesn't catch everything, but at least it helps. Yeah. And that's well, similar yeah. to what Microsoft does. They have, what, five different levels of Insider and then a public beta. If right. you go download a public beta from Microsoft, you can pretty much guarantee it works. Uh, iOS and Mac OS are a little different because when they say beta, they mean developer beta and they tell you it's going to break just like Google does. And they mean it because there are a lot of breaks in there, but for consumers, Google just, I don't know. They, they, they don't think like consumers. They think like software engineers. It's interesting. Actually, Microsoft obviously has been doing this much longer. They've been building windows for 30 years now. But when you look at how they explain the three different, they call them flights, the dev channel, beta channel, and release preview channel. And then within each, you can sign up to get major builds or major updates or minor updates. So it's basically, it's it's all about risk tolerance. If you're on the dev channel, you're going to want every minor build because you're okay with that risk that comes with a minor build completely breaking your laptop. When you're on the release preview channel, you're probably bundling in just the major builds because Microsoft is less likely to release a show-stopping bug because it rounds up all of these smaller minor updates into these major update releases. So it's far more granular. But I'm also guessing there are millions of people in these flights. Like there are probably millions of people in the Chrome betas Whereas with Android beta, I'm guessing it's not nearly that many because it's only pixels. Right, and exactly. it's just a very small subsection. If Google wanted to do it right, they would partner with Samsung to release the stock Android betas on a Galaxy S10, right? How many installed, what's the install base of the Galaxy S10 today? Yeah. Probably 20 million people. But it, it would never work that way because the phone is just not formatted that way. It doesn't it doesn't support seamless updates. It doesn't support, uh, you know, the basic foundations of what Google needs right. a phone to run a beta like that. I don't I don't know how Google fixes this. I don't think they can, unless they, you know, next year the first Android thirteen beta comes out in the middle of August. That's how you fix it. And nobody wants that. Uh, and in turn, if you don't want that and you want to start looking at it in May with, along with me and all of us here and everyone else on the Internet, you have to kind of temper your reaction when it goes south because it's going to. Yeah. I mean, if we had an Android 12 beta that was more stable 
and then there was sort of an experimental flight or build that was giving us more features or just you know yeah. you want to be on the on the on the edge of whatever it is then i think we could ask google hey we need a canary build equivalent for android but it doesn't seem like that would have fixed this problem because every month the the iterations not only come with a dot you know a a, a major mm-hmm. update a beta 1 beta 2 beta 3 but a dot fix that still does not actually impact the overall stability of the OS. Nope, it's, it seems like, yeah, they release something and then a week later they, oh, this fixes all the bugs from that last release that we sent out without checking. And it doesn't address, you know, core functionality problems and issues. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, if Android 13 reverts back to sort of a, there aren't that many underlying major changes to the infrastructure of Android, you know, the nuts and bolts, the way that yeah. there are in the, in Android 12, and whether we get a more stable build earlier on. And look at the past. That's what I'm guessing. Every other Android update seems to be huge under the hood, and then they will add features to the next one. Although Android 12 has a major UI redesign along with a complete rehash of under the hood stuff. So maybe that's why it's worse. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out when the release candidate comes out in a couple of weeks. And if you're listening, let us know podcast at Android central. If you're running the Android 12 beta, have you had a good experience on it? Let us know what's been working, what hasn't. Cause uh, I'm really curious. All right, Nick, let's move on and talk a little bit about this Motorola Edge. So last week when we recorded, you were in New York about to attend this baseball game, your first baseball game in a long time. It looked like a lot of fun. And it was also your chance to check out the Motorola Edge 2021. So what is it? When's it coming out? How much does it cost? All right. So this is the follow-up, obviously, to last year's Motorola Edge. Uh, They basically refer to it as the new Motorola Edge several times. I think most of us just think of it as the Edge 2021. It's coming out on September 2nd at Best Buy, Amazon, all those good places. Um, what's interesting is that the retail price is supposed to be six ninety nine, dollars um, but at launch, they're doing a promotional pricing of $4.99, so that's 200 bucks off the price. They didn't really say when that is going to change, but at least for the time being, 500 bucks for this thing. You'll also be able to get it on Verizon and Spectrum Mobile a little bit later in the US um, and then also in Canada sometime later in the year. This is um, essentially a, a variant of the international version um, that is available on those different international carriers. And it, um, at least to me, seems like a really great mid-range phone. And I was pretty surprised by the um, the reaction by a bunch of other people at the event. Like, I I feel like the general consensus there among at least half the people was this thing is overpriced, which given the specs, I mean, it's got a Snapdragon 778G. So we're talking, you know, something better than like a a Pixel 5 or or that kind of caliber phone. It's a 6.8 inch. It's an LCD, but it is 144 hertz, which, you know, again, that's like way over anything in this level typically you'll find 90 hertz at best in in this price range um the touch latency is 576 hertz which you know that's that's one of those things that is not really talked about ever 
Um, so when you touch in the screen, it feels instant, whereas some screens, you know, you'll swipe up and there's an, there's an ever so slight lag behind your finger. It's not really something maybe that you care about too much, but it's another one of those small little pieces of the puzzle that make you go, man, this phone is fast, right? Um, on the software side, uh, Motorola made a concerted effort to say that they are taking updates seriously this time around, which, you know, uh, I'm not really sure what that means as far as Motorola is concerned, but they have not been great historically in this regard. Um, I think, I can't remember if we discussed this last week when we were talking about the leaks, but um, two years, basically, of of major updates for this. So probably Android 13, since this launches with Android 11. Um, and then, of course, they said uh, bi-monthly security updates. So you're talking, you know, six a year if they come through. Um, uh, I have a lot of pain in my stomach right now. Uh, <laughs> don't know why. Yeah, this sounds all like bullshit to me. Like, it sounds I do n- very nice. I yes. do not believe them for a second. I have... <laughs> Every single <laughs> mid-range Motorola phone since, I mean, oh, ever, basically, but over the last couple of years, all of them have are behind by at least one, if not two, Android platform updates. Right. All of them are six to eight months behind on software updates. It's just unacceptable is, is what it is. Yeah, it so, has not been, it, for the most part... Right now, you buy a Motorola phone and you just expect that's what you're going to get. And it's not ever going to get better or worse or whatever. It's just there's your phone and that's it. So obviously they have an opportunity to make this uh, a lot better. Are they willing to spend the money? I don't know. That's the entire question. I I don't think they are. I don't know. You know, the other rumor that we're going to see a Snapdragon 888 Plus with custom Motorola Qualcomm cpu tuning and all kind of crazy outrageous specs from motorola before the end of the year that makes me really sad that they would make a phone like that that i would love to own but i know if i get it i'm not going to even see a security patch for nine months it's it's just i mean it's, it's hard we've been through this so many times on the podcast yep it's hard to there are no better phones when they come out than motorola phones for mid-range like for right. low end exactly. mid range owners in the US who just want to spend $300 like there really aren't great options if you just want to spend 2 to 300 dollars in the US like everywhere else in the world there are multiple vendors mostly Xiaomi Oppo Vivo or their subsidiaries who will offer you great 2 300 dollar phones here you kind of have the TCL 20 series, which is fine, but also has this not great track update track record. You have the Motorola stuff, and then you have the Pixels. And the Pixel 4a is 350 and it may not be available for much longer. And then we have the Pixel 4, 4, 5a, which is 450 and is... I mean, that's widely available, but it, 450 isn't super cheap either. And I wouldn't say that's widely available. Well, it's, yeah, you're right. It's not available at carriers, is it? Uh, we don't know yet, but 
I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it show up at some carriers, especially because Google and AT&T or like AT&T and T-Mobile have been trying to partner up with Google a bit more. So I could see the Pixel 5a being available on other carriers. But right now it's just Google Fi. Man, that's disappointing. Although Google Fi is giving these phones away, basically. So yeah. <laughs> if you are interested in switching, it's a pretty good deal. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Nick. Like this this phone on paper at 500 bucks feels like a steal. And yeah. if, it, if they can stick to what they're promising when it comes to updates, it will actually be a phone that I can recommend. And yeah, it's just, it's really tough recommending cheap phones in, in the US these days. Right. So, and and I know when I when I reviewed that TCL 20, what, a month ago, two months ago, whatever, it was kind of the same thing. It's like, yes, they're promising these updates. Yes, you know, out of the box, this thing seems great, especially for the price. But I, I do worry about the long term, you know, ownership experience of these things. Yeah. Um, and, and I know another another area where they sort of pledged a significant improvement was the camera. because This thing has, you know, 108 megapixel camera on back and they talked about um, all of the, the software intelligence they've packed in. It sounds essentially identical to the, the improvements that Samsung has made to their camera. So, you know, uh, multi-frame capture, um, toast notifications for suggesting um, better modes, uh, better, um, better portrait mode because of a, a dedicated sensor, uh, pixel binning. Uh, they're, they're talking like virtual 2.1 micron size pixels. A lot of it sounds really good, but, you know, it, it's, we weren't allowed to take the phone anywhere. I couldn't really <laughs> do a whole lot with the photos. So it was like, well, you know, and <laughs> also we, we have to say, so this is sort of in, an inside baseball thing, but typically phone makers will offer their new products up for review because they are willing to bear the brunt of a negative review if they stand behind their product. Motorola has gotten into the habit of not giving their devices to a large group of reviewers. They're much more selective about who they give their phones to. Now, that is that is Motorola's prerogative. Like you can't fault them for that. But it's a choice, right? It is a choice. They're going to get far fewer people reviewing this phone. We are not getting access to this phone. So if we want to review it, we have to buy it. And the question is is it in our best interest to spend our money on a mid-range Motorola phone? No. When that money could be going towards a phone that is more broadly popular. So, you know, it's it's one of those sticky questions where Motorola has made an editorial decision. It's marketing department that all these marketing departments run their reviewers programs. They've made an editorial decision to hand select a few bloggers, influencers, YouTubers to review this phone as opposed as opposed to a company like Samsung, which basically gives their phones to everybody and just says, go wild and we'll take the good with the bad. Samsung or Motorola did this with the Razer 5G. And they did that because the Razer, the original folding Razer back in 2019, uh, was just very poorly received. I mean, for lack of a better word, it was just, it, it got trashed. So they decided with the 5G, even though it was vastly improved to only give it to a few people to review. 
that's why we don't have a Motorola Razor 5G review on the site because it came down to if we we have a budget per month that we need to spend on stuff, right? For for our read, for our writers, um, if we need to review a phone that we don't have access to, that budget goes towards buying it. But when it came to a fifteen hundred dollar Motorola phone that we thought wouldn't do the traffic to justify the fifteen hundred dollar expense, then we don't we don't do it. So you know, it does come down to. We make it. We make an editorial decision, but so do so do the these phone makers, and they decided just we're not going to send it to a lot of people. So anyway, it, it's just an interesting decision. I don't. It's it's not a bad thing, right? It's, it's Motorola's prerogative to do that, but you know, it just it's it says something about its belief in the product, and they're shooting themselves in the foot, though. Yeah, I mean, because you you touched on one thing when a Motorola phone first comes out. It's one of the best mid-range phones you can buy. Right. And those initial reviews would be very positive most of the time for their, you know, G powers and, you know, phones like this one that, that they're not reaching for higher aspirations like they did with the Razor. We like Motorola phones when they first come out for the most part. Six months later, we might not like them as much, but Motorola not giving this phone to everybody at the briefing to take back in review and talk about how well it runs, how well it's built, how nice the display is while it's brand new is, is dumb. That's really dumb on Motorola's part. So anyway, that's the Motorola edge 2021. Interesting that the only edge released in North America this year is a $600 phone, which is being sold for 400 no, no, sorry. It's isn't it five hundred dollars being Seven sold for, for seven hundred. Yes, sorry, it's seven hundred dollars <laughs> being sold for five hundred, as opposed to a thousand dollar Edge Plus successor, right? Which was, which had the latest and greatest specs last year: Snapdragon eight sixty five, beautiful folding uh, or curved display, you know, lots of RAM, lots of storage, great camera. Um, obviously, the the cheaper, less powerful Edge sold better in the U.S. And um, they decided to to just go with the sequel to that one. So strange times, but it kind of makes sense when Motorola is so selective about the phones it releases in particular markets. All right, let's move on. Um, Nick, take us through your Galaxy Z Flip 3 review. We talked a little bit about this last week, but it's finally on the site now. And um, how does it compare to the Fold 3? Which one do you like using more? What's your impression of both of those phones after you spent a few weeks with them? You know, it's honestly really hard to decide between the two because they they really are very different experiences. So the Flip 3, um, I said it in the review, and I'll say it a, you know, a thousand times, is the phone that you probably want. Um, it doesn't differ, you know, it, it's not too different from your expected smartphone experience, right? You have a largely tall, you know, portrait style screen. It just so happens to fold in half and is now pocketable. So that's, of course, your, your main difference here between, I suppose, this and maybe any other Samsung phone you would buy. Um, whereas the the Fold is kind of awkward. It, it's definitely more of a power user's phone. Um, you, you have to think about, do I want to use the small screen? Do I want to use the big screen? You know, things like typing are a little awkward. We kind of went over that last week. Like, None of those things are really a, an issue on the flip. And I think that as well as the price are, are really what make this more of a mainstream 
uh, foldable phone. And, and I feel like that has been said ad nauseum over the last, I don't know, three weeks, however long it's been since they announced these things. But it, it really is true. And, you know, the camera experience, I, I, know, I know a lot of people were worried about that. And I definitely was concerned going into it because there's no difference in the hardware from last year. And based on what we saw on the Galaxy S21, it, it kind of felt like, all right, well, they need to just improve these cameras a little bit. We need a telephoto camera on there. We need a little extra things like that. But I was very pleasantly surprised constantly at how reliable the camera was. Now, telephoto, don't just if you regularly zoom into your photos and that's really a big deal for you, you're not going to be happy. I mean, but just let's not mince words. Zooming in is not great. It's it's, it's just not great. Um, everything else, though, was was really good, um, especially video recording. Um, I can't tell you how many times I had something happen and I would pull out the phone, launch the camera and start video recording. Whereas, you know, my Pixel, for instance, it would still be sitting there trying to load the viewfinder. And I've had this problem with other phones and I, I've kind of gotten used to that. And having a phone that is this fast, it, it almost spoils me now because I'm afraid to go back to something else and then go, crap, I missed that shot and I would have got it on this thing. So I, it, it's things like that where I think Samsung has significantly improved like just quality of life features, right? And that's that's another kind of overused term. But it, it this phone really feels great and it's really just so much fun to use. and. <laughs> flipping a phone is is awesome i missed it and <laughs> my, my uh i told a little story i don't know if it was last week whatever but my seven-year-old son was opening and closing the phone just like constantly and he's never seen a flip phone he's seven right <laughs> like this is a weird concept to him that fold that phones can fold into themselves um and he was just like i love this i want one of these and i mean i'm not going to give him one because he's seven but <laughs> it's, it's a toy case. Yeah, it, it appeals it's a to that toy. same part of the the monkey brain that just like likes fidget spinners, <laughs> right? But I I feel like this is such an ideal form factor, and it's the first time where you don't really feel like you need to make a compromise if you want the form factor because you have a phone that performs well, you have cameras that are great. It's now waterproof. The software is awesome. It's fast. I I never really felt like I was lacking anything when I was using the phone, and I I think that's really a testament to the differences between this year's model and what they've done in the past where it, it you almost had to convince yourself yeah this is worth the price even though it probably really wasn't you've had it for a little while too so i don't know if you kind of have those same feelings or not i don't have the flip i just have the fold and okay. i have the flip womp, 5g womp. Wah, wah. sorry but it's <laughs> it's a very different I mean, it just feels different. It's just a holy, yeah, it just, it does not come across as mature as the Flip 3 does from what I've felt when we went hands-on with it. And just see, using the Fold 3 for the last week or so, the the PET cover makes a big difference in, in the way that you interact with the screen. The 120 hertz display obviously impacts your experience but everybody that i've seen is just like this is a beautiful product it just coheres in a way that 
the previous flips didn't. Right. And part of it is the color, the two-tone color scheme. Part of it is the bigger front display. Part of it's the fact that it's a little bit more squared off and maybe a little bit thinner. I don't know. It just it it's it's just a better, um, more mature product in the way that like the S9 wasn't that different from the S8 or the let's say the Note 9. The Note 9 was not so different from the Note 8, but the minor changes that Samsung made to the design really just had a massive impact on how it felt. It justified the higher price. It kind of gave you confidence that Samsung wasn't going to give, make a phone that blew up, um, which we'll talk about <laughs> a bit later. You yeah. know, it was just, it was, it was interesting, right? And I think Samsung's achieved the same thing here. It's a third generation foldable. And that seems to be the timeline that the company needs to hit its stride with any new form factor. It was the same with the S3. Seems like it was the same with the with the wearables. Um, you know, it was it's sort of the same with the with the earbuds. Like the what was what was Samsung's first earbuds called? Not the Galaxy Buds, but the ones before that. Oh, the Level On, on? Live or something. Le- yeah, was they? No, no, no. Yeah, I think that was right. Le- level, Le- level On. In. Yeah, I've got got them here. Level On, in and over. Right. For on ear, over ear, and in ear. No, it was called something else. It, they were, man, I, I, I'm going to have to find this. But it was, it was like, it was something dumb. Anyway, those, those <laughs> first two earbuds were not great. And then they finally came with the Galaxy Buds, which were also not great. And then the Galaxy Buds Plus were the best. Like, they, they were a massive, massive improvement. So Samsung takes an idea and it just slices off the rotting parts every year until it gets to the, to the good stuff. So, yep. This year was the year for those things. And I'm just, we're seeing it anecdotally that more people are buying or interested in the Flip 3 than the Fold 3, uh, partly because it's cheaper, but also because I just think people understand if I'm going to get into this form factor, it's through a much more accessible way than just get, you know, buying a tablet. In my like, it's awkward using the Fold Three at times. It does. It really does feel awkward. And how many people really need that functionality? I don't need a tablet. I bring my laptop most places. I need a phone that'll fit in my goddamn right. pocket. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I think the pocketability factor is probably more important when we're discussing foldables for most people. You know, the, the Fold is nice, and I've uh, I actually just went back to it today to kind of try it out again and see how I felt about it. And, um, you know, I, I use the smaller front display way more often. And I think it's because it's less awkward, you know, and it's nice to have that tablet form factor inside, but for the most part, I don't need it. (laughs) I just don't. You could have bought a galaxy S 20 fan edition, F E, whatever they call Mm -hmm. it. And a tab S six for the price you paid for the fold and have both of them. Yeah, but I would never use the tablet. That's that's the problem. Yeah, but you couldn't put them in your pocket, guys. Right. And I've never been a tablet person, so I don't know. You probably need somebody else to answer that question better, but I just they've always been weird for me. I'd rather use a laptop. I don't have either phone. I haven't touched them. I never will. It's just not my cup of tea. But looking back and seeing, it's obvious Samsung knows that the flip is the consumer choice. Right. They're they're pushing it. They're marketing it in a fun way. I mean, just look at the little 
loop attachment case thingies, whatever you call yeah, those. the number of colors. Yes. Like, that's a lot of skews to balance per market. Like, yeah. you do not make that many colors unless you know it's going to sell like hotcakes. Yep. And, and they priced it in the consumer, I'll buy it range. It, you know, right, because if, if you look at the carrier deals and stuff, I mean, I've seen some where it says like, you know, get it from 300 bucks or whatever. And I don't know what the deals are. You know, I don't know what yeah. the terms are for that. I'm sure they're, they're maybe obnoxious. I could have got one from AT&T for next to nothing for my wife, but she didn't want to change phones. Right. And the fact that that is even a thing this time around tells me that this is going to be bought way more than the previous ones. So I don't I. I think the only last two points um, I should add my maybe two, not quite disappointments, but what didn't quite live up to my expectations that that front screen. So, yes, it's larger. Um, Yes, it's kind of nifty for seeing your notifications without opening the phone or whatever. But like, it's not a great viewfinder. I I think they could have done a much better job. They, They basically cropped the viewfinder, which I've found pretty darn useless. If you're using the wide angle, it's a little more okay, but it was very difficult to use for an actual selfie shot or whatever using using that uh, display. And then battery life. Um, if you're a power user, you're probably going to be mad because, you know, the battery life isn't bad. Uh, I didn't have a trouble getting through a day at all, but I got close to it, you know, going into low battery mode. And you're going to have that battery anxiety, especially if you use it a, a fair amount. If you have, you know, somebody who has a lot of on-screen time every day, something like that. And then, you know, to, to top it off, it's only 15 watt charging, which is just that blows my mind these days. Like, yeah. At it's least just have the slow. 18 watt power, to, <laughs> like the standard power delivery charging. How do you do the five watt, three amp that, or five volt, three amp, 15 watt charging that is not, you didn't even go high enough to have it be power delivery like come on guys really i don't know i i'm 99 sure it's thermals because there are times where like i would touch yeah. the back of the phone uh, especially around the hinge and it was hot like it wasn't even warm it was like okay let me move my finger because i don't want to let it sit here for longer than a second or two but you know it cools down quickly so it's like i'll do that and then i'll go back and touch it again a few seconds later and it's not hot anymore but i have a feeling you know i guess going into the note 7 thing in a little while it they don't want to repeat that. So they're they're just super cautious when it comes to this stuff. The Flip 4 should come with a little battery case like the earbuds do. And you can just slip it in that case inside your pocket and it recharges itself. I mean, it's not the worst idea hit in me, the world. Hit me up, <laughs> Samsung. I mean, they could always pull an Apple and put a big old honking battery in the back, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's only half the phone. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm like, I've, I've dropped the, my Fold 3 a couple of times and it seems fine um but i would definitely i'm not convinced that this is going to hold up for two or three years so i will be fascinated to see if we if we see any more of those uh like insta crack screens once we get into the dead of winter here insta crack insta crack you know <laughs> when you open a lot of things to different demographics i i think samsung <laughs> Good fixed <Lord>. that <laughs> with their new cover <laughs> but that that's not maybe going to address the the OLED panel tearing and, you know, along the crease or something finds its way up in the mechanism. You you can't make that sort of mechanism foolproof every time. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Daniel. It'd be interesting, you know, a year from now even just to look back and see how many 
people gained notoriety online by complaining about their screen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the Z Flip 3. Uh, they're coming out tomorrow as we record this, uh, August 27th. But a lot of people have gotten emails saying that their shipment's been delayed, which may indicate a shortage of inventory or just excessive demand. And Samsung oversold them and then realized that they didn't have enough demand. Um, so whatever the re- I guess that's the same thing, but it, it just it's 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 a different narrative, right? Like Samsung sold the expected number and they didn't have the inventory, or they sold way more than they expected, and the inventory that they thought they had was is, is not enough. Either way, uh, some of our own staff and uh, writers have received their units. Uh, Chris Waddell, one of our freelancers, he got a honkin' package with a Fold 3 and a watch and buds. I didn't think he got Dan the Rubino. watch. The watch, he said, was coming today. And I am- It's coming I today. I keep refreshing Correct. the FedEx app while we're talking because it just said, okay, your watch is on the delivery truck. And I'm like- you have two and a half hours. Just please get here. Yeah. I mean, some people aren't that patient, Ara. I'm not. Ding, I've been waiting years for this dong. watch. Give it to me now. We're going to hear the doorbell and then Ara's going to yeah, just Ara's drop her laptop. I don't have a run. doorbell. That's, that's <laughs> what sucks. I, ha- I don't have a doorbell and I'm in the farthest area from my door. But yeah, if I update it and see that the watch is here, I, I might take a quick break. <laughs> You you can just take the rest of the day off. <laughs> I think you're going to update it and see that they couldn't deliver it because you weren't available to sign. I don't think it requires a signature. It doesn't say that it does. Don't ruin my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough Shut issues with FedEx not being able deliver. to deliver shit in the last couple of weeks. Don't give me more. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Dan Rubino from Windows Central, he got a Z Flip 3. So I, we're seeing the emails and, and uh, tweets and stuff trickle out. I don't have my Fold 3 that I bought, my personal Fold 3. It's not even shipped yet. It was supposed to ship yesterday. So I, I don't know if it's just a, a Canada thing, but I'm, I'm pretty bummed about it because I got the green one and I'm really excited about that. It's not enough snow so the sled can't deliver. <laughs> right. San, Santa's <laughs> just taking a really long nap. What a guy. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about these new OnePlus Buds Pro. So... I'll make this quick because it's another pair of earbuds. It's like another week, another pair of earbuds. But they're interesting because I really think OnePlus messed up the first OnePlus Buds by imitating the original AirPods way too closely. And Apple can get away with it because it's Apple. And a lot of people buy AirPods not necessarily to listen to music, but just to have in their ear, make phone calls, etc., and I guess if you were looking for that, OnePlus did deliver. It was an open ear pair of earbuds that sounded fine, but let in so much noise that you could barely use them outside of your house. Call quality was okay. The app experience was okay, but the, there were like there was no customization options. It was just a disappointing product when when you looked at it, um, in my opinion. But a lot of people liked it, and. Um, I think if they were, if you were going for an open pair of cheap AirPod clones, they actually did a great job. For the newer OnePlus Buds Pro, 
they basically imitated the AirPods Pro down to the design. It's uncanny what these, how close these things look to the AirPods Pro, especially the white ones, which I don't have. But it's a shortened stem. It's got that same narrow, kind of shallow ear tip design. Uh, and yet these are just better overall. They sound good. They have better battery life. They have active noise canceling. The case charges wirelessly. They have IP55 water resistance. They have a couple of interesting features. One is called Zen Mode Air, which is a white noise generator where you can upload tracks to your uh, Buds Pro and play them even if you're not connected to your phone. So it's kind of like a sleep aid if you need it. Um, I like them. I, th I think the, the tracks that they've uploaded are actually nice. You know, you can like imitate a whooshing ocean or a babbling stream or like a campfire or whatever. And it's very calming if you just need to concentrate. It's right there. You can hold down on the gesture area for three seconds. And that's the other thing is that they ripped off the AirPod Pro, AirPods Pro's uh, gesture area. So you tap on the, you, you know, you press on the stem once, twice, or three times or hold down. And again, if you're going to rip off a UX paradigm, you might as well rip off the best one. And the AirPods Pro is great for that. It just works. <laughs> so, but they're also 150 bucks and the ANC is not excellent. The Buds 2 from Samsung are better overall. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think OnePlus is up against a lot of competition here. So I'm going to cough now. <coughs> so that's the Airpo uh, AirPods Buds Pro. That's the OnePlus Buds Pro. And uh, they're coming out September 1st. So if you're interested in them, I would definitely consider them. But there are better $150 earbuds right now. Do they come with a red cable? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. These are so. wireless earbuds, man. Come on. We don't have wires. Well, you got to charge things, man. Go back Dude, we to... We don't include chargers in boxes anymore Go back anymore to your either. flipping things. I don't... I, I never actually take the cables out of the boxes anymore because I don't need them. <laughs> I never just considered proved, that. You just proved the point. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about the rest of uh, this week's news. Stay tuned. If you're trying to build a brilliant AI, you need a Turing test. How about if you're trying to hire a brilliant thinker? You need Indeed assessments. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, a job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skill tests to help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more job hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ACP. Get a $75 credit. Go to Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. 
Okay, so we have a new Fitbit. It's the Fitbit Charge 5. It's coming out next month for $180. It takes a lot of the Fitbit Sense features, including the EDA and ECG sensors. Fitbit says it's seven-day battery life. It's a colored screen that's much brighter than that of the Charge 4. Uh, It's got GPS. It's got uh, NFC for payments. It looks nicer. It's just a better product overall. So I don't know. Nick, when you take a look at a new Fitbit, what what goes through your head these days? Uh, Fitness tracking. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like, is it a brand? Is it a brand that excites you? Is is it, does it, is it does it do anything for no. you? I, you know, honestly, I think of my father-in-law because my father-in-law has one and he tells us about it all the time and he loves it, okay? So when I think of somebody who wants something for health tracking, fitness tracking, things like that, I would probably instantly recommend Fitbit and likely not even think about another brand. So they've definitely got that down. <laughs> I'm just not sure my mind goes any further than that. Right. Yeah, I think that's kind of where they're at. They're they're not necessarily courting new customers these days. It's you know, keeping existing ones that are loving being in that ecosystem. So you get a you get 6 months of uh Fitbit Premium with your purchase of a Charge 5. Fitbit is also partnering with Will Smith on a bunch of guided workouts, which is kind of interesting. Are we going to get jiggy with it? <laughs> I think there will there will inevitably be a jiggy with it uh, song. He Fit, Will Will Smith is now Fitbit's <laughs> fitness ambassador, which I don't know what that means. But yeah, uh, Will, I know Fit, I know Will Smith was talking about how he gained a lot of weight and let himself go a little bit during COVID. And how he wants to get back in shape and is doing a lot to to get there. So this kind of makes sense as a partnership, uh, I guess. But sure, is, is Will Smith even cool anymore? Yes. Like, I, I yes. don't know. What the heck yes, is wrong with you? Yes, I will buy anything that cool. Will Smith tells me to buy. I don't know. Maybe he's. I I think he's cool. I do. I like him. I just think he's. You know, some of the Gen he's Z 50. kids may not even know who he is. He hasn't been yes, in a movie right. in like five he's, years. They'll know he's him. He's fifty, so they don't care. He was in Aladdin They're like two years ago. Of course, people are going to know. Uh, the younger generation is going to know him. That's right. He was. He was. Uh, he was in Aladdin. That's true. I never watched Aladdin because I heard it was garbage. It wasn't. You just have to be a uh, Guy Ritchie fan because it's that cinemagraphical style, and a lot of people didn't really like that. I did though. It was a good movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I mean, he was in Suicide Squad too, but. Also, not a great movie. Well, yeah, I wouldn't really. Yeah, he hasn't been in the very best movies lately, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I was going to say for this this Fitbit, I really like the way that the strap looks. It reminds me of that one that I really liked on the Watch 4. So, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he in, oh yeah, he was in that uh, Ang Lee film, um, Gen- uh, Gemini Man? Yes. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking of. That was not very good either. Yeah, that was intense. That was like a high frame rate movie. I never saw it, but it looked interesting was, to me. He was also in the other sci-fi one with his son, which was also not very good either. That's what I'm trying to think of the name of, and now <laughs> I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> was that before or after Gemini Man? I'm not sure. I thought that was Gemini Man, because wasn't it an issue of they cloned him, so that's who the son was coming to kill Will Smith? 
No, it was him. They no, did Gemini the, Man was they did CG the him. aging oh. technique. Yeah. Okay. On his face. Okay. Will Smith and his son starred in The Pursuit of Happiness, uh, After Earth, that was and good. Men in Black 2. Pursuit okay. of Happiness so only was after good. Earth. Well, Pursuit Thank of you, Happiness republicworld.com. was <laughs> No, Pursuit of Happiness was like 15 years ago. His son was just a kid. Yeah. 2006. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a lifetime ago. <laughs> and he was also in Men in Black 2, his son, as a an infant, an uncredited cameo when he was four. <laughs> And now both his kids are like massive movie stars. And, and didn't Willow just release an album? Or I forget. I, I, I saw that she did something. I think it was an album. Anyway, good for them. Go, go get that. Go get that money, Smith family. Yes, um, your dad needs it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. So. Ara, the YouTube music app is now available on Wear OS. It is exclusive to the Galaxy Watch 4 series for now. Give us the TLDR on what this means. It's less that it's exclusive to the Galaxy Watch 4 and Galaxy Watch Classic so much as it's exclusive to Wear OS 3. And those are the only two Wear OS 3 watches right now. So, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like... That news in itself isn't a huge up isn't a huge thing. It's one of those things of oh, this is going to be the start of a very depressing trend for current Wear yep. OS users. Right. Yeah, and and we we saw um I think it was 9 to 5 Google that confirmed that like 3 weeks ago that that the upcoming one was only going to be on the Watch 4 and here we are. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, if any developers are just starting to make an app for Wear OS, why would they target the older system as opposed to the new? Because the new is where everybody's going to want to be, and hopefully Wear OS 3 will overtake Wear OS 2 next end of next year and maybe the beginning of 2024. But, yeah, that's, that's where the energy is going to be. So, it makes sense that developers are like, okay, we're just going to platform for this and not try to worry about compatibility for all of that back there. Since especially if what Google is saying about making it so much easier to develop for Wear OS 3 is yes. true. Yes. Right. I, I, I think my issue here is that, you know, YouTube music has just been such a slow rollout. I mean, Spotify didn't come out with theirs until this week, too. I mean, I don't I don't put this on YouTube music. Well, but you look at when they had their Apple Watch app, right? It was. Um, yeah. Well, it was almost That's a year different. ago. That's it's different. not that's, different. It's the same platform. That's a billion, that's a billion customers, not I don't 40. care. This is another another th- thing where Google is developing for Apple first. And, well, maybe we'll get to our own customers eventually. But you know what? If not, too bad. We don't really care. YouTube Music had other shit to get in line before it dealt with a Wear OS app. Google is big enough to handle all of this at the same time. Not I their don't. YouTube Look, Music you team. Have you seen the updates? Do you please? want YouTube Music? to work or do you want it to be like android 12 beta (laughs) those are your choices pick one all right i want it to work (laughs) fine and i want them to fix that goddamn casting bug because it's been five years which one is that (laughs) uh you can't cast and you can't uh you can't shuffle and you can't repeat when you're casting music through youtube music yes okay yep all joking aside though it does feel like the beginning of google just saying you know a big middle finger to everybody with a current generation android wear watch right and it's unfortunate but that's just going to be the reality there's a reason that 
pretty much everybody said, like, the second that the new Wear OS announcement came at I.O., we all basically said, stop buying watches yep. right now. Yep. Like, I, I want to apologize to anybody who watched the fo- who bought the Fossil Gen 5e at the beginning of the year after my review, because I left that watch. And then Wear OS 3 came along, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a paperweight. Cool. Yeah, not your fault. I mean, you well, can't it, predict that. Let's just hope that developers don't stop support for the existing apps for the, you know, yeah, Wear that, OS. That's that's the other big thing. It's going to be, versions. oh, do we update to the new one and then just, because I can't imagine them having multiple Wear OS apps that target multiple systems. No, neither can so I. So I'm, I'm worried about apps There's no just money migrating to Wear OS 3 and there being nothing left for current users. Which could be the thing. I mean, stuff like that's hard to predict. Uh, but if if you want developers to make money, they have to target where the money is there to make. And let's be honest, Wear OS just hasn't been it. If this is going to change things, that's going to mean that developers will get on board and not worry about the past. It also means that Google needs to have one hell of a trade-in program for the Pixel Watch in order to spur people to trade in the old ones and adopt the new ones, because we need numbers quickly for this system. That would be amazing. Yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so the most un-Google thing you've I'm just, ever said. Well, I'm just happy Samsung gave us at least decent trade-in on any of the Galaxy Watches. Like, six, uh, 60 bucks for my Galaxy Watch Active, like the original one that I've that I bought for $70 with Samsung promotional credit two years ago, like it doesn't get easier than that for an upgrade path. We do need a second, you know, Wear OS 3 watch to come out to attract more people who, for one reason or another, don't want to buy the Galaxy Watch 4. When that happens, I think we'll know more about how the landscape is going to look. Yeah. Well, I mean, later this year, we'll figure out how Wear OS looks on like a, a, what's it called? A uh, Tick Watch Pro 3. That's not going to be this year. E3. Yeah. You don't and think you it'll know be what? this year? I'm afraid it's going to be a dumpster fire anyway. I don't think it'll be a dumpster fire, but they said that those uh, updates were not going to come this year. Okay. Well, what about the fossils, the the new Gen 6? Those will likely launch with Wear yeah, OS 3. you'd think... S- I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to launch with Wear OS 3. The big question is going to be how much longer are we waiting on those cuz I don't if they don't launch it in the next 3 weeks, I don't see Fossil launching this before CES next year. Like you don't watch you don't uh, maybe around Black Friday. You don't launch a brand new watch at Black Friday cuz that means that either you're pricing it low no, and it's but- going to stay that price forever, meaning you're losing money, or you're going to have it at full price and nobody's going to want to buy it cuz it's not on sale. You announce it in October and then cash in on the Black Friday sales. But I, I don't, I, 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 something inside me says that Qualcomm's just not ready yet. And that's going to hold some of these companies back, maybe longer than they would like. Uh, I'm sure the 4100 will run Wear OS 3, but I'm equally as sure that Qualcomm needs to change a little bit about how it works. Maybe it's got enough you know, low power processing cores on board. They just need to make sure they're going to work the way Wear OS 3 needs them and expects them to work. Uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't know how well Wear OS is going to work on a Qualcomm chip, Wear OS 3, but uh, we'll see. I, I really, I, I really hope that Qualcomm is no longer the bottleneck here. Yeah, 
I'm I'm just glad to see a, a SOC that's not Qualcomm mm-hmm. work so well. That means the next Qualcomm one will be better. All right. So the next piece of news is um, an announcement from the White House this week that Google, along with Apple, Microsoft, IBM, Amazon, and a number of other nonprofits are going to be partnering with the federal government to improve or, quote, bolster the nation's cybersecurity. So to its part, Google is committing $10 billion over five years to expand zero trust programs, help secure the software supply chain, enhance open source security, and it will help 100,000 Americans earn industry-recognized digital skills certificates that provide the knowledge that can lead to secure high-paying, high-growth jobs. Um, So this is part of an overall uh, initiative that was started in May through an executive order where President Biden basically said the U.S. needs to get its act together. It needs to fix backdoors. It needs to modernize its infrastructure, its cybersecurity, and is now making that happen through upgrading its own infrastructure, but also partnering with with the private with with private companies. Jerry, does this make sense to you in a, in a broader scheme of just like? better being able to um, inform regular Americans on best practices, but also preventing bigger and potentially more dangerous and, and costly attacks from yes, actual uh, nation states that wants to bring down, you know, the electrical grid or really cause damage to cities and, and absolutely, and things like that. Uh, you can put aside all your tech bias and look at Google, Apple, and Microsoft from the eye of how successful have attackers been at you know breaching the company's systems themselves. Uh, I don't mean bugs in Windows or bugs in Android. I mean the core infrastructure at these companies. You don't hear about data breaches that happened at Apple or Microsoft or Google very often, if at all. Uh, that's because they realize that it's a, a billion-dollar industry that they can spend a billion dollars to protect. That's the type of people that the government needs to work with. Uh, the government's IT is even more billions, but they're probably working on ideas from the 90s. Uh, it's when it, they started to look at IT as an infrastructure, and it's about time to bring it forward to what's current and what's new. And the best way to do that is to work with partners who are already there. And as far as informing the public, yeah, the people that make the little devices you love to use all day long and spend too much of your day with your eyes glued to them, those are the, the companies that can inform the public about what we can do to make sure not only we do our part for overall security across you know the internet, but to protect ourselves. I think this is, I, I'm not going to comment on the entire initiative, but this part of it, I think this is it, it, great. This is something that should have been done five years ago, but at least it's here now. So for its part, Google says it's contributing 
$10 billion over five years to, quote, expand zero trust programs, help secure the software supply chain, and enhance open source security. What does that mean in plain English? Uh, It means that they're going to consult on equipment. They're going to help. uh, I'm not going to say write the software because they probably aren't going to do that, but they're going to help source the correct software, how to implement it correctly and make sure the people that are working with it day to day are, you know, fully up to date on how to use it best. And the open source initiative, well, Look at Google's Project Zero. Uh, that they Google has a, a division that all they do is find ways to break software across the internet. Imagine that at a much larger scale, and I can picture that's how Google is going to spend a portion of that ten billion to improve open source security for you know internet and and you know overall privacy, the greater privacy, not not. The government's still going to spy on you if you have a phone, but they want China not to be able to spy on our government. So the cynical part of me is saying by partnering with these private companies, many of which are being pursued by the federal government's Justice Department or various state attorneys general, that they're doing this in order to take some of the heat off of them from a regulatory perspective. Yeah, or maybe. Or just try to try to look better in the eyes of the you know of, of of consumers that scrutinize them so so heavily today. Um, another side of me is saying, you know, what is in this for private industry? Like, other than the fact that they get to say we are committing to you know, whatever Biden wrote in his executive order, what does Google get out of investing $10 billion? I mean, that's not an insignificant amount of money. A $10 billion tax write-off? I mean, Could is be- that, is it so bald-faced as that? I, I, I can't, I can't say. Google, yes, Google has to benefit or they wouldn't do it. I agree with you completely. I'm not sure how Google will benefit financially and I agree with you that in the eyes of the consumer, if you like this initiative and think that Google, Apple, and Microsoft can fix our government's you know, computer infrastructure, then you're going to think more favorably about the brand. The government's not going to feel that way. They understand that Google is split into a million different divisions. And because one division does something you like doesn't mean the other division gets a pass. Uh, but I, I don't I don't know exactly how Google benefits from this, but I guarantee they are. Or they Just wouldn't be doing it. Pie in the sky thought here. But couldn't Google and Microsoft and Apple all be wanting to improve like general cybersecurity and awareness of how to protect for of people to how to protect themselves? So that way they have to do less work because there are less accounts that get breached or less databases that get breached because of things like that. Yeah, that could explain a, a part of this move. Because, I mean, think about how many data breaches in the last, like, two or three years that were happened because somebody managed to get into a, a, somebody's account through a phishing email. So, because, I mean, that wasn't, yeah, wasn't that I mean, the T-Mobile, one of the T-Mobile breaches in the last year? Uh, who knows? T-Mobile isn't finished investigating No, not yet. this one. One of the previous ones. Oh. <laughs> could be. I think maybe somebody just used one two three password as a password or something it's t-mobile who knows 
But I think our the point is Google has a vested interest as a public company, as a company that's accountable to its shareholders to do these things anyway, right? When Nest was not enforcing 2FA and a bunch of people's cameras got hacked, Google started making 2FA mandatory. It's been one of the leaders in in, in pushing hardware, two-factor authentication keys. It's it's a leader in a lot of areas that are incorporated into this deal with the government, and they were doing this anyway. I'm I'm interested in whether it's a matter of Google just wanted to be on the same side as the government for once. It didn't want to be left out when the when the federal government is partnering with Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and all of Google's major competitors, notably Facebook is not on this list, but yeah. um, I don't, I don't think Facebook wants anything to they, do they with the U S government right now, party. <laughs> vice yeah. versa. but it is interesting that Google obviously benefits because it's building a lot of this infrastructure. It has its own cloud storage solution, Google cloud. It's, it's trying to push this idea of um, zero trust computing, which would be something that the government would have to license potentially from them. It's, it's just, I don't know. I'm the cynical part of me is like, what are these companies doing to secure the next big RFP from the, you know, from from the defense department or the justice department or whatever, you know, what, whatever part of the federal government is, is looking for a big cybersecurity contract next i just uh, it's really interesting that neither of us believes that google is just doing this for purely <laughs> altruistic means they just want to help look i i think the covid alert thing that happened last year between google and, and apple right like that was altruistic yes in a in a in an urgent way this is urgent but it's not the same amount of urgency and it's a lot more money. It's just, it's a big investment. It, maybe that's it. Maybe they're just investing. Uh, if, if let's say, a foreign government could bring down a power grid for the East Coast, that would inf- affect Google way more than $10 billion. Yes. So maybe that's part of the thinking. They're doing it to protect their own assets. Yeah, I guess so. It's a it's a positive move for Google in a, a million areas. So yeah. e- even if it's not entirely altruistic, which is probably not. It's Lex Luthor working with the Justice League. Come on, it's okay. I recognize that you are you are somewhat of an adversary right now, but we have a common enemy. <laughs> that's I, I mean, like that. <laughs> yeah, that's it's fair. every kid's show. It's oh, there's a bigger threat right now. We can forget our differences and deal with them, and then we can go back to killing each other like civilized people. That's right. I think Nick is absolutely right that there are no downsides for Google doing this except for their spending $10 billion. 10 I was about to say, they're Google. a multi-trillion dollar company. I think $10 billion is not something they thought too hard about before spending in something like this because this is also good PR. I would like you to say that at the next shareholders meeting. <laughs> it's, still 10, <laughs> it's still $10 billion. Yes, right? it is. But I mean, if we're talking about 
the future of the company, I mean, this is super easy to lay out to shareholders and go, hey, look, guys, we're doing this because a year down from the road, five years down from the road, when this country goes crazy and and destroys our infrastructure, we can be the ones to say, you know, or, or doesn't destroy our infrastructure in this case, right? We can be the ones to say we had a hand in this and we could plaster our name everywhere and you guys will benefit. Now, if only we had that kind of thing for physical infrastructure, not just cyber infrastructure. Well, part part of this is going to be, uh, I'm sure it's going to be not providing equipment, but consulting for the correct upgrades to physical infrastructure. Because that is also an area where Google, Microsoft, and Apple are very active. You know, Apple's trying to get there, but Microsoft and Google already have a, a huge infrastructure of their own that includes you know, all sorts of, of physical parts. It is, it is notable, though, that of all of the big five companies, the FANG companies involved here, um, only two are committing specific amounts of money. Google is committing $10 billion, Microsoft is committing $20 billion, And th- that number is, is probably not an accident for starters, but also SolarWinds, which was the biggest mm-hmm. hack in U.S. history that's still being, the, the effects of which are still being felt and likely uncovered, affected Microsoft primarily. Yes. Right. And right. <laughs> this feels like a guilt payment for that <laughs> because it affected U.S. federal cyber infrastructure. I mean, this, this was, it wasn't, didn't it start inside a branch of the federal government? Probably. I mean, so many companies use SolarWinds, so I imagine that they... No, but the actual actual hack was discovered because it affected... It was either DOD or DHS. It was the private contractors for Homeland Security and the Treasury Department. I, I had to look that up. So it wasn't actual government property, but it essentially was government property. Right. Same difference in in that case. I also think it's worth noting that Google and Microsoft are the only two in this, you know, group that have significant discretionary income cloud presence. Amazon does cloud presence. Yeah, but we're not talking about Amazon in this. I'm just saying like in of these three companies, yes, Apple obviously has cloud storage and iCloud and whatever, but it's not it's not the same level as Azure or Google Cloud. Right. You know, the, they have serious infrastructure things to protect. Since, since we opened that can of worms, I'm going to save you from emailing in. We know that it wasn't Microsoft's own hardware that was attacked. It was other another company's hardware, and that company's name is SolarWinds that needs Microsoft to operate. So don't mail us in saying Microsoft wasn't attacked because we know, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's still like it was, it, it was on Windows devices that it was affected. Right. Microsoft didn't do anything to stop it. That's Microsoft's doing. Microsoft didn't do enough to stop it. We don't know if they didn't do anything. Well, they, right. Okay. Era is right. All right. Well, lots more to come on this. I, I think this will be an ongoing discussion for many, many months, if not years. Uh, we're are gonna we're gonna end the show here, and then we're gonna take a break, come back, and talk about what's making us happy. So stick around. We'll be right back. 
AAC Podcast listeners, we are going to take a quick second to talk about Hover, one of our sponsors. So any good brand needs a good domain name. A .com or, I don't know, a .coffee. It doesn't really matter, but you need somewhere on the internet where you can stake your claim. And Hover is a great way to do that. Hover is a jumping off point for a ton of entrepreneurs, and they want you to start your business with a domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from when building your brand online. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. You'll find excellent technical support available to answer any questions you may have, and their support team doesn't upsell you. They only work hard to help you get online. With free Whois privacy protection, a clean UX, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains, it's hard not to see why Hover is a popular choice for people starting all kinds of businesses. So if you really are interested in getting your own domain name, Hover makes it so easy. The UI is clean, it's easy to understand, and you can find your favorite name in just a few minutes. Best of all, there is best-in-class technical support and there are lots of cool features to discover. So go to grab this domain name and many more at hover.com slash ACP. Get a 10% discount with our referral link on all new purchases. That's hover.com slash ACP. Make a name for yourself with Hover. All right, so to end our show this week and every week, we talk about what's making us happy. It can be tech-related, it can be Coffee-related could be That's something right. else. You, you jerk. Um, so we'll. I'll throw it to Nick first because I I know I know what's coming and I hate it. So uh, Nick, what's making you happy this week? Pumpkin spice, baby. Oh yeah, that's my thing. I'm sorry, I just don't care. I own it. <laughs> so what about it exactly? Do you love everything? The carcinogens? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's the best part, man. Can't think. Anyway, whatever. So th- this week, um, well, actually, I guess my pumpkins were done several weeks ago, but whatever. This week, I decided it was time. We're almost in September. It's close enough, so I'm cracking those pumpkins open. I made some puree yesterday. I made some what pumpkin did you do spice. With the seeds? And this morning, I made my first latte. Oh, I save all the seeds. Damn and it. it next year. <laughs> no, if you, ha- I-, I will drive to you if you will let me gut some pumpkins for seeds. I am so hard up for seeds. I- I mean, I'd mail save, them to you, but they'll be gross by then. <laughs> save $1,000 and buy yourself a pumpkin at the grocery store. Era. They're not available <laughs> down here yet. The like the, the earliest that any grocer down here will have pumpkins is Trader Joe's might have them the first weekend of September. Other than that, Walmart probably won't have them until the end of September. Target will not have them until the end of September. Uh, Publix, I don't even think, does them until October. Like, it's Florida. Pumpkins are not a big, not as early a thing down here because it's still hot yes they rot i i know from experience you don't buy yeah. them too early yeah. unless you want a soggy disgusting mess yeah. somewhere yeah so i don't know i i will make many more pumpkin things i'm surprised your pumpkins did well this year nick as hot as me it's too been. you know i had i had these weird pumpkins this year okay so i planted i made the stupid mistake of planting several different uh plants of the same family in the same area so i got weird hybrid things they all look and taste like pumpkins well the color is pumpkin color the shape is not pumpkin 
<laughs> but they taste great, so whatever. But yeah, I, I got You're a couple eating of that mutant shit. You're crazy hey, putting that in your coffee. Listen, listen. This is this is natural GMOs. Okay, natural GMO. I'm, it's okay. I didn't modify this myself. Safe. <laughs> <laughs> Satan modified it for <laughs> me. <laughs> no, the bees modified it for me. Okay, it's their ah. fault. <laughs> right. Let's kill all the bees because it made Nick think of You still have bees. <laughs> You still have bees in Maryland? I think they're all wiped out in West Virginia. Oh, they're not doing programs. <laughs> I don't think he lives in Maryland. Texas has a program where I, if you keep like, bees on your property, they'll give uh they'll give you an ag exemption. So a lot of uh houses in my parents' neighborhood have started like they'll hire a company that they'll put the beehives there, they'll maintain the beehives, and they just get the ag uh the ag tax exemption. Yeah, we were gonna have bees, but we have too many bears here and I just don't want to deal with it. Yep. We have we have yep. friends that have bees and they even put up electric fences and those bears yep. don't give a crap. They go right through the fence and they get that honey. So I'm not dealing I, with it. I'll just buy I it. I had three beehives <laughs> in the pasture behind the house and within a week they were all busted apart. Yeah, into, I'm just not doing it. We have too many bears here. I live in the freaking yep. mountains. <laughs> yep. All right. All right. What is making um, you happy? New York City, I guess. I'm I'm going to New York next week. And it's going to be the first time in like 15 years, and I'm going on somebody else's dime, so that makes me mm-hmm. happy. So Broadway won't be open though when I get uh, when I'm there, so I'm not going to get to go see any shows, which is a bummer. All right, eat some good food. Yes, it's it's. A I'm good going time. to New York, and I am going to have pizza. God damn it, so many different kinds of pizza. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'm about to have pizza right after this podcast, so I'm excited some, about that. Eat some good food. I'm going to have pizza. Those two things don't go together. Eat some oh, good Jerry food. Oh, no. yeah. New York is known for its pizza. I am somebody known for my love of pizza. I have to do this. It's, it's I, I would only go to New York when I had to. It's just not my thing. It's too busy. But the Thai food is the best food in New York. I'm sorry. Nick and I had some incredible Thai food when we were oh in New York. Gosh, it was so good. It was so good. I still remember how good it was. And that Korean barbecue place, too. Oh, man. Oh, oh my gosh. My. Oh, my Don't, gosh. Yeah. Oh, I'm so hungry. All right. You know what? That's uh, what I'm going to Jerry, what's this. making you happy this week? <laughs> okay. This is a hopeful making me happy because this morning during our meeting, I I downloaded the Mist remaster that was released today. And uh, I'm going to play it over the weekend. And if it looks anything like the early previews that have been shown, it's Miss, the game that a lot of people know and love, that actually looks good on a, a modern computer. And I am all about that. If it's anything like the VR version that came out several months ago, you're going to love it. Love it. It's the VR version, but fixed and even higher textures. Basically. Fixed. So what, what's yes. fixed? I don't know. I didn't know what was wrong with it. I just know that's I don't I don't think there was anything wrong with the VR version. If anything, I would argue that's the ultimate. <laughs> they addressed a bunch of issues and then made the textures higher for flat screen PCs, that's which fair. is yeah. Uh, I'm going to be all into that 4K. It's it's going to be good though, I'll tell you. It, it was a a solid experience in VR. I definitely want to play it on the Oculus. Just just if you play it in VR, have somebody help you because my one downside was there's not really any easy way to take notes, and that's a game that you got to take huh. notes, okay? Now, my my Vive busted, so I won't be playing it in VR. Oh, I've got to go. get a new one. Yep. 
Well, I think you just, you don't need a 3D experience to enjoy. No, Myst. no, it's, I I played no, it for years. It's fantastic on a you know on a a regular PC. So I'm really looking forward to it. I, I hope I remembered all the little tricks and tips that I've built up over the years from playing it before, but we'll see. And then next podcast, I might be complaining about how poor it was, but I'm hoping not. Very cool. Well, enjoy it, Jerry. I will. I well, what's making me happy this week, it's a podcast. Uh, it's just come out uh, with the, its first couple of episodes. It is called Bad Blood, The Final Chapter. And if you recall, one of my previous what's making me happy um, was me talking about the book Bad Blood by John Kerry Rue, all about the rise and fall of Theranos and its founder, Elizabeth Holmes. Well, Holmes is going on trial next week for wire fraud. She's um, been accused of 10 counts of wire fraud. Uh, this podcast gives you the brief history of what happened, but because his book reporting stopped in 2018, there's just been so much since then in the run-up to the trial, including the fact that Elizabeth Holmes is pregnant, um, or actually she was pregnant. She gave birth to a baby very recently, and um, they are trying to use the fact that she has a baby as like a sympathy play for the defense. The There's just a ton of new information that came out about how much Theranos hid from its investors, how much more they lied than was previously known about the efficacy of its blood testing machines. The whole story makes me angry every time I hear it, and yet yep. I cannot stop listening. It's so good. It's such a fascinating story about the rise and fall of the most narcissistic um, startup a startup founder I've I've ever read about. It's just incredible. And I highly recommend this. Uh, there's the first two episodes. It's called Bad Blood, The Final Chapter. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably, you know what, I'm going to pick that up or listen to it because I, I did read the book. What was it? Secrets of Silicon Valley Startup yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. Bad Blood, Secrets of and, Silicon uh, Valley. It, it really pissed me off even more because this is a health technology company. Totally. You know, you, you can rip people off on Kickstarter and that's bad, but when you try to rip people off over healthcare, you are a special kind of, you know, I hope they take their, your, your daughter away from you when she's born or son and just lock you up forever in a dark place. 20 years. Uh, well, that, that's a good years. start. Well, on that uh, hopeful note, that's our show for the week. You can uh, find Ara at Ara Wagco. You can find... Nick at Guanatu. You can find Jerry at GB Hill. You can find me at Journey Dan. You can find all of us at AndroidCentral.com. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Until then, have an awesome weekend. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Adios. See ya.